We're born into our families and we're born into our society and we're born into our parents' financial reality. What most people don't understand is that just because we're born into a specific family or socioeconomic world, it doesn't mean that's where we have to end up. Being born poor is not your fault. Dying poor is. And a majority of people live life by default. They accept the cards that they were dealt and offer no resistance to mediocrity. Here on the Traveling Investor Show, we talk about how to live life on your terms and create the life, finances, and relationships that you dream of. So join me, Nitsan Mosri, your host, every week on the live Traveling Investor Show, where we demystify the art of mastering your mind, body, and wallet so that you can be at every football game, every softball game, every ballet dance, everything for your kids so that you can go on vacation, but most of all, so that you can tell your boss to go kiss your ass. How are you doing today, folks? I'm Nitan Mosri, the traveling investor, and welcome. We've got a great show for you today. And of course, we're going to talk about how to master your wallet by creating passive income through multifamily real estate investing. And we're going to talk about how you can do it by raising capital from other people. You know, because I remember when I was a kid growing up, I was walking down the streets of New York City and I'm looking at all these buildings and I'm looking left and I'm looking right and I'm going, who in God's name has so much money that they can go and buy or build these incredible buildings that cost hundreds of millions of dollars? What are they doing? And then I realized that, you know what, they were using other people's money. And did you know that the Empire State Building is a syndication or was bought through or using a syndication? Uh, I think the gentleman's name was um, Alfred Wien, and they did a syndication to buy the Empire State Building. How awesome is that? And once I learned about that, once I learned about how to raise capital from other people and how to get other people to fund my deals, my world opened up to me. And, uh, and it's just been an incredible ride. And that's why we're here today to share information with you on how you can go out and do this as well. You see, I'm no one special. I'm not, I don't have master's degrees or PhDs. I don't even have a college degree. I never finished college. I never understood what the point is and I didn't have the ask for it, right? But during my trips, traveling, I've learned certain things. I've learned ideas and concepts on how to create and, and how to manifest. And it's been incredible. And, uh, and today's guest uh, is, is, a, is a multifamily uh, expert. Uh, he's the co-founder of the multifamily investing firm Four Oaks Capital. He's the director of multifamily educational community, the Tribe of Titans. And he's also the host, and I had the honor and privilege of being on his show, uh, the host of Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. And check out his podcast. It's awesome. Uh, Brian is a uh, he's a general partner on 10 apartment complexes with a total of 655 units worth over $40 million. You think this guy knows what he's doing? Absolutely. He recently retired from the U.S. Marine Corps after 20 years of service. And you know what? Thank you, Brian, so much for your service. Um, and, and these are the types of people that I like to bring here, people that are actually in the business, that are doing it, that have done it and are successful at it. Because, you know, my saying that my mentor once taught me and I live by it is find someone who has what you want, do what they did, and you'll get what they got. 
So without further ado, let's bring on Brian Sinclair. Brian, what's happening? Brian Briscoe, how are you? Doing great. Think Nissan, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, man. I, I enjoyed being on your show. It was, uh, it was great. And everybody yeah. listening, uh, definitely go check out Diary of an Apartment Investor. Great information, mm -hmm. great content. It's out there. Uh, where, where can they find it? On what platforms? Every every platform that carries podcasts. You know, I, I think the, the only one we haven't been able to get listed on is the uh, uh, the Amazon podcast. But I don't know how many people use that app, but it's it's on everything else. It's Spotify. It's on Apple. It's on Google. Um, all, all the major ones. Awesome. 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 So Brian, I, I, I love, I, I love the t-shirt, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I got this in the mail yesterday, so I love it. We don't apologize for being awesome. You know, that's fantastic, man. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Never apologize for being awesome. Right. Never dim your light just to make other mm -hmm. people feel comfortable. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, man. and your your intro kind of resonated with me a lot you know you talked about you know you you can't choose being born poor but you can choose dying poor and it wasn't wasn't until i was like probably mid 30s that i realized all the scripts that i had been given that my parents gave me that i was i was still running off of and it took me it took me a long time to undo some of those especially around money but uh you know once once i think you you unlock your your money scripts you know, you can, you can rewrite your entire life, your entire destiny. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. It's, it's all about, and it, it's funny how we have this word, but when we use it, it, it has kind of a, a, a negative connotation, right? It's brainwashing. Okay. Yeah. Right? We, we actually literally have to wash our brain from the mm -hmm. misinformation from, from all of the bad from all of the Kool-Aid that we drank when we were, when we were younger being brought up. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, my parents did the best they can. I'm doing the best I can for my kids. But you know, one thing my dad told me very frequently is he never learned the money game, mm. you know, and he consequently never had a lot of money. And he kept on telling me, if you, if you want to, to ever, you know, have a lot of money, you've got to learn how money works. And he was, I mean, my dad's a wonderful person, you know, absolutely love him. But I remember him telling me, he's like, I can help you with a lot of things. He's like, I can't help you with that. So mm -hmm. if you want to learn more about, you know, money, you've got to find somebody else. But, uh, That's right. you know, very wise, very wise man. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's what I say, right? Find someone who has what you want and do what they did and you'll mm -hmm. get what they got. It's, it's pretty much that absolutely. simple, right? It's that simple today. And especially today with technology, it's even simpler. You have it at, at the at the tip of your fingertips, right? And you can just mm -hmm. Google someone, YouTube it, right? Figure it all out. So, Brian, who were you before real estate? You know, before real estate, I think my almost my entire identity was wrapped around um, being a Marine. I was active duty in the Marine Corps for um, 20 years before I retired. But I, I think the, between between you know, my profession and my religion, you know, that was almost 98% of my identity. You know, when, when people would ask about, you know, what I did, the answer was I'm a Marine, you know, and that was, you know, such a, a big part of my life for, for a really, really long time. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, that's who I would have told you I was, you know, um, a couple of, you know, three to five years ago. Um, but, you know, once again, I, I started realizing you know, when I got close to that 20 year mark, probably three years out of the, the out of my for three years out from retirement, 
I started realizing that if I didn't reframe what I thought about myself, my my transition wouldn't be very smooth. You know, I was going to go from being a Marine to not being a Marine. And if my identity was so wrapped up in what I did that I would have an extremely hard time, you know, letting go of that. And so, you know, I, I spent a lot of time really thinking and, and it took me a while to realize it, but I was much, much more than just what I did as a profession. You know, I, I have many roles. I, I do many things, but uh, yeah, I think if you, asked me three years ago, I was a Marine. Now I'm, I'm, a, I'm an apartment investor. I'm still a Marine. You know, I'm a father. I'm a husband. Um, I, I, I do, I'm active in my church. I do a lot of things. Um, so, and one, once again, I'm also defining myself who I am by what I do still, but uh, right. I'm still working on that. That's awesome. Well, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's amazing that you were able to um, go from the Marine Corps into did, did you make that jump directly from the Marine Corps into real estate or was there something, it was a transitioning yeah. point? That, that was my transition plan, you know, going, going back, uh, you know, one of my, so two jobs ago, I, I spent three, my last three years at the Pentagon, but prior to being at the Pentagon, I was the battalion executive officer, which in layman's terms, I was a chief of staff, you know, all the staff answered to me and I only had one boss and that was, you know, the, the battalion commander. And I remember, you know, one of the, one of the things that the DOD has implemented to help people transition is every Marine who's getting out of the Marine Corps has to sit down with the battalion commander and talk about their plans. And I had a really, really good battalion commander who was, um, very detailed and very, you know, would dig down into the Marines plans and make sure they were set up for success. And about this time, you know, here I am, you know, major, major Briscoe at the time, uh, almost Lieutenant Colonel. And I realized I had no plan for post Marine Corps. I had no plan for my own separation. Um, and that's, that's what really got me thinking and really got me, you know, planning for the future. And I, I made a couple, you know, made a lot of you know, strides internally about what I wanted to do. And I, I think I had always wanted, I always been fascinated with real estate. I had a handful of investment properties at the time, all single family. And I started exploring the whole, what comes next a lot more and ended up landing on multifamily. And so while I was active duty, um, the last three years, every single day of, you know, leave or vacation that I took was all, towards my multifamily goal. You know, I'd be at conferences, I'd be at educational events. Um, and, you know, later on in the process, I'd get in my car and drive and go look at properties and, and just take a lot of time off. So, you know, fortunately, I, I had a, a fairly flexible job at the Pentagon. And I, I was able to, you know, spend 30, 30 days a year, that's what they give you for, for your annual leave. I was able to spend 30 days a year away from work pursuing multifamily. And then, you know, every night, every weekend chipping away at it. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's, that's, that's the way you got to do it, right? Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta chip away, chip away. Let me ask you. So how has being in the Marines helped your multifamily business? You know, there, there's a lot of things that I think Marines do well and it's, it's systems, you know, we, mm -hmm. uh, the Marine Corps is very good at systems and this is exactly how you're going to do x y or z you know and it, it wasn't until you know i started you know was, was much older and started peeling back the onion that i realized 
you know, the value of systems. You know, they, they have certain things that are required to be done by every single unit Marine Corps wide. They have an inspection program that comes through and makes sure everybody's doing it. And I mean, even even when you get down to boot camp, the, the whole boot camp process is, you know, teaching Marines the system. You know, this is how you do everything. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, every Marine in the world knows what tap rack bang is. You know, it's, it's what happens when your rifle jams, you know, it's what you do to, you know, unjam a rifle and keep shooting, you know, but they, they beat that into your head. And yeah, I think the best thing that comes out of it is just the need for systems. Once you scale, you know, if, if you're, if you're managing one or two properties or especially single family homes, you don't need systems, but as you scale, you're going to be limited by the systems that you create around your business. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the biggest lesson learned. And the thing I keep on going back to is, you know, um, we would call it making things marine proof. And that's basically designing a system so that everybody can do it. That's great. So let's talk more about systems. So multifamily, mm-hmm. right? Multifamily business, multifamily yep. acquisitions and management. What kind of systems would someone getting started need and how would yeah. they create them? What would be a great way to, for them to create it? Well, really, I, I look at the things that are repeatable. You know, what things mm-hmm. am I going to do on a, a repeatable basis? And then you you start just by shortcutting, you know. So I realized mm-hmm. I was getting on a lot of investor calls. And after the investor call, I was sending a lot of follow-up emails. So one of the systems that I implemented first is I came up with a rough script of what I would talk to potential investors about. Um, I also created a Google form that populates a spreadsheet. Every time I'm on a call, I, I go through the script and I fill out the Google form, name, email address, phone number, you know, the things that are going to populate into your, uh, your CRM later, into your email database later, mm-hmm. um, what they're interested in. Are they accredited or not? You know, um, things like that. Um, and even the follow-up, you know, I, I have a very scripted follow-up. Um, I, I've got it in a file that I keep open on my desktop while I'm on the call. And once I'm done with the call, I'm basically cutting and pasting elements of a form into an email. You know, hey, if they're interested in our educational program, I cut and paste this this you know paragraph here or this section here. If they're interested in passively investing, I'm cutting and pasting that into there. You know, add a couple of personal touches at the front and launch it. So. I mean, that's, that's just a sample of, of some very simple systems that people can do from the beginning. And, and really all it takes is a Google form and a Google doc, you know, one doc mm-hmm. for my, my scripts um, and, you know, the Google form so that I can type things in as I'm going and it automatically saves to a, to a spreadsheet for me. Wow. That's awesome. Absolutely, yeah. man. That, and, and it takes a lot of time off. You know, that two, mm-hmm. three seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds that you can just chop and move. It adds up. It adds yeah, up. It does. We're talking to a lot of people, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Building relationships. Yeah, I mean, just just that alone. Uh, I mean, on each 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 follow up email buys me, you know, five to eight minutes on each follow up email, and then I don't have to, you know, manually upload things to our our database. I can just once a week take the spreadsheet, upload the spreadsheet to the database, and you know, instead of the time to manually populate that form. You know, it actually takes it's it's not me that does it. I have a virtual assistant that, that runs that part. But, you know, once a week, every Friday, she's uploading that form into our database to make sure all the, the new email addresses are captured. So, yeah, it's just just a matter of 
figuring out the things that you do on a regular basis and then doing in the same way every time. And that's, that's really the whole, whole idea behind the systems. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's great to have a system because when you start scaling, you talked about scaling, right? Mm -hmm. That yep. you have these systems in place because people in your organization will come and go constantly. Yeah. And to spend yeah. time always training someone and taking time and whatnot. Oh, how did we do it like that? Oh, here, you know, maybe we can try it this way. It, it leads to a lot of waste, time waste, personnel Absolutely. waste, you know, inefficiencies. So when you have yeah. someone new on your team and you just hand them a booklet, hand them a diagram, hand them something, a video says, here, mm -hmm. this is the process. This is what you have to do. This is A, B, C, and D. It takes, you know, it's very efficient in that Absolutely. aspect as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Onboarding people. It's it's just just like the Marines. You, you hand in the book and this is how mm -hmm. you do it. And you're going to do it this way every single time. You're always going to step off with your left foot first. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. um, yeah, 100 percent agreed. And, you know, it's and, and it's not saying that you have to lock in things. I mean, I think that the system should should always be revised and or not always periodically revised and updated, you know, so mm -hmm. um you know, for example, one of the last properties, so do talking due diligence specifically, we have due diligence, um, a property we closed on in December, we realized just recently, I mean, we've owned it for less than two, just, just over two months now, but we've realized just recently that uh, a lot of the, the HVAC lines, you know, behind the sheetrock, all of the um, insulation has essentially worn off. It's a 35 year old property and we're starting to see, you know, marks in the ceiling from the drippage you know it's just one of those things that we never checked for that during due diligence mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. we go back to our due diligence checklist and it's like okay you know maybe we should start checking for this every time and you know be a little bit more um cognizant that that can be a problem so especially right. in the older properties and especially in the more mm -hmm. humid areas yeah yeah well you know in multifamily, you kind of have you have to have your different set of due diligence for each asset class, right? Yeah. You know, because there's certain things you're going to look right in a, in a C class property or a B minus C class. You're going to look at certain things, like you said. You know, you're going to pay more attention, be more cognizant to that because it's an older building. Yeah. So you have your systems for that type of asset, systems for this type of asset, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> So you you got out of it. You started real estate. You went into multifamily. What attracted you to multifamily rather than you know, you know anything else? In, yeah, in the real estate world. You know, owning owning a handful of single family homes kind of gave me proof of concept. You know, I saw over the years how a a really small investment turned into a large you know pile of equity. Um, I, I paid three thousand dollars for my first property. I mean, the property was worth a lot. I mean, the property cost a lot more. But that's how much money came out of my pocket to buy a two hundred thousand dollar property, you know. And ten years later, you know, I netted over a hundred thousand when we sold it. You know, second property were similar numbers, you know, except I think I, I had to put fifteen thousand down on the second property, you know. But uh, you know, I, I realized that leverage, you know, is is absolutely magical, you know. So if you can get, <laughs> some, you know, a bank to pay for your, you know, the bulk of the purchase price of the property, you know you can leverage that position, you know? So for my, like my first property was a 0% down um, VA loan, you know, for veterans affairs loan. And, you know, I had to pay the $3,000 funding fee. So, you know, you look at it, I paid for about 1% of the property 
And if the property value goes up 10 times or 100 times, my my initial investment is just, you know, magnified by, by that many times. And so that part really attracted me. Um, you know, the fact that real estate is the original investment, it's not an alternative investment. You know, royalty and, you know, lords and ladies held their wealth in lands and the, the income off the lands for millennia before mm -hmm. us and it's mm -hmm. it's the original investment it holds its value well um and then why multifamily specifically it fulfills a basic need i mean there's other commercial real estate types you know you can invest in office or retail or other stuff but multifamily is always going to be in demand because people are always going to need a place to live i mean short of you know the thanos snap if you're a, an avengers fan or a marvel mm -hmm. fan People are always going to need a place to live, so uh, right. tie all those two tie all those together, and multifamily to me is you know the bell of the ball. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. In good times and bad times, people will always yeah. need a place to live. Absolutely, and 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 as we see in today's market with huge inflation, right? Mm -hmm. Owning a owning a multifamily, you're increasing the value of your property. Because of inflation, because yeah. inflation means rents are going up. Everything Everything's is going, going up. up. Everything yeah. is going the, up. The dollar's being devalued, you know. So depending on your perspective, I mean your 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 purchasing power goes down, your dollar's devalued, but the prices are still going up. And once again, that leverage, you know, it doesn't matter how the property appreciates, whether it's a forced appreciation or natural appreciation or inflation or, or whatever the vehicle is, if that property value is going up you're making money. And if you're leveraged, you're making that money in multiples, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just, just an amazing, amazing way to, to grow your wealth. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Great way to grow your wealth. Great way to grow your passive income, mm -hmm. right? This is, this is, you know, we, there's, there's a saying out there, right? And we all know it. Cash is king, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cash is king yeah. when you're buying, but when you're living, it's passive cash. That's king, yeah. right? That's that's yep. the key is, is being able to buy real estate and have it buy it once and have it generate income for you over and over and over again. Yeah. You and know, that, that's I think the next phase for me, you know, a lot of my investments up until now have been chasing IRRs. You know, it's been, you know, a lot of C-class value add, a lot of sweat equity, you know, a lot of you know, really trying to maximize, you know, the return on investment, regardless of whether it comes through cash flow or through equity. And um, quite frankly, most of my positions right now, you know, I've gained a lot of equity and, and not a lot of cash flow. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as, as we start coming full cycle on these deals and selling, you know, my, my personal investment philosophy is going to be, you know, 100% finding that cash flow, you know, um, and, even if that means, you know, locally where I live, prices are inflated to the point to where you almost have to put 40% down to get cash flow. But, uh, wow. um, you know, that's that's what I'm looking to do in my local market. You know, some people might look at it and say not a smart idea, but I think there's still a lot of appreciation in the local market. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'll be cash flowing, too. And I mean, that's that's really, I think, what the ultimate goal for investors should be is, is that passive income. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, because you know, even if you're betting against the equity, so you're mm -hmm. just kind of uh, you're just now a multifamily flipper, 
right? You're mm -hmm. just going out there and you're flipping. So when you sell a property, you're not making any more money until you buy the next property or until you put one under contract, find the buyer and go through that whole process yeah. again. Why do that, right? Do mm -hmm. that, but just hold on to the property and cash flow it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and when when we've, the, the properties we've syndicated, we, we've been open with our investors of what our philosophy is. And our philosophy was also chasing the IRR, you know, and, and um, I, I think a lot of people are in this stage. And I, I look at wealth differently now, you know, when, when you have nothing, I think chasing the IRR and chasing those, those big pops is, is probably the best route for most people. But when, sure. once you start accumulating wealth, um, you know, like I said, the, fr from there, it's, it's, it's a matter of turning it into passive income. So on our syndications, you know, that's the type of investor we've, um, we've been basically, you know, marketing towards. Um, and so, you know, our investment horizons are, you know, three to five years. It's, it's a two year renovation, stabilize and sell because that's where you maximize your returns. Mm -hmm. And as you kind of mentioned, the downside to that is, you know, once we sell a property and give people their money back, the money stops working and, you know, everybody's got to find a new place to park their cash you know they got to find a new investment so you know depending on what people's investment um goals are you know you may be looking for a group that's going to buy and hold long term if, if you're looking for cash flow if you're looking for the pop you know maybe the the fix and flip style of apartment investing works for you the value add mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right 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 so um with with the apartment investing right um how how did you start raising capital for it did mm. you you know when you got into multifamily did you use your own capital did you partner up with people you know share with uh, with you know the the listeners with the travelers today a lot of them you know a lot of people are are new they're getting involved yeah. they're they you know they're they're out there going i want to do this but how right you know how do i yeah. i don't have a hundred thousand i don't have five hundred thousand i don't have a million dollars in my bank account how in god's name am i going to do this right yeah so good question and i think everybody is is limited in what they can buy by the amount of money they can bring to the table and um i was fortunate enough to have a handful of single family properties uh, I, I think for most of my my adult life you know prior to about four or five years ago um i was looking towards my pension at the end of the mm -hmm. marine corps you know and, and thinking you know i didn't save a lot i mean yeah i was investing to my 401k i was in you know doing doing the things people told me to do but uh um, I was fortunate to buy a couple houses. And so when I started looking at multifamily, you know, I had a little bit of money to work with, you know, a low six figure sum to work with. But, you know, and at first I started looking for, okay, I have X amount in my bank account. And if I need to put 25% down, I can buy this big of a property. And the, the numbers at the time were like a six to eight unit, you know, in, in the neighborhood where I, or in the city where I lived. Um, but uh, I, I started really realizing that there, there's economies once you scale, once you get above like the 80 to 100 mark, there's there's a lot of you know economies and it's it's easier to manage per unit and easier to scale. But I had to like you, you mentioned, I had to figure out the other people's money thing. Um, so what I started doing is just talking to as many people as possible and 
at first I was not very successful. I wasn't very successful at, uh, um, you know, convincing people to invest with me. And it was mostly because I was trying to do just that. I was trying to convince people to invest with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I realized over time that I had an investment opportunity that, you know, people seek after that a lot of people just didn't know that they want. Right. And so I, I changed my, my strategy to one more of education, you know, to talking people, to explaining how things work and then just saying something like, Hey, and if you're interested in investing in something like this, just let me know. And it was amazing how many people self-select, you know, you explain how the, the multifamily investment works. You explain how a syndication works. You explain, explain the benefits of real estate, whether it be the appreciation, the cash flow, the tax benefits or, or low risk of loss, you know, whatever aspect, you know, but, uh, um, it really just became a matter of educating people as to the power of, you know, multifamily as an investment vehicle. And, waiting for people to say yes. And it happens more often than, than it doesn't that when I'm explaining it, people are like, yeah, I want to do that, you know, or, mm -hmm. um, a very simple question that I was always asked or frequently asked. That's uh, very low threat is, do you know anybody who'd be interested? And that's, that's a magical question because, you know, it's not threatening, you know, I'm not asking somebody directly if they're interested. So there's, there's low threat for me mm -hmm. to, you know, no fear of right. rejection. But, you know, once again, people will self-select when you when you give them the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. That's a great way of doing it. You know, uh, I, I have a sign right over here on my wall that says uh, successful people do the hardest thing. They build relationships. Right? Yeah, this is a this is a relationship business. Right. People, you know, people think that, um, you know, there's there's another saying that, that goes around and I'm sure you've heard of it and everybody's heard of it. You know, if you find the deal, the money will be there. Mm hmm. Well, uh, you know, I'm sure you found out as well as I did early on in our, <laughs> our career that, holy shit, I got a great deal. Yeah. Where's the money? You're looking left, you're looking right. <laughs> the only thing you hear are crickets, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I have a great deal. Where's the money? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they told me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I drank that Kool-Aid. I really mm -hmm. did. And we, we thought we had a screaming deal. And the first, our first capital raise was difficult. You know, it was very difficult. Uh, it took us, you know, four months to raise a million and a half dollars for um, a multifamily property. And I mean, I, I could probably raise that much right now in, in a, a week, you know, mm -hmm. maybe two, you know, depending mm -hmm. on the, the, depending on the deal and how, um, how urgent the, the matter was. But uh, yeah, that first capital raise was, was difficult. There was four of us you know, working towards the same goal. And, uh, I surprised myself by bringing in a half a million myself. And that was, that was more than I thought I could. I was thinking maybe 200,000, but when I started talking to all these people that I had educated, essentially, I'd started building those relationships. I had answered their questions. I spent a lot of time on, you know, the phone and zoom and everything else with, with these people. And, um, when it all came down to it, it was, you know, calling the people that you, you'd started building a relationship with say, Hey, I've got an opportunity. Are you interested? Mm -hmm. And That's right. yeah, I mean, half a million dollars later, you know, I doubled what I thought I'd be able to do. That's right. So travelers, you know, that's, that's the key right there is talk to everybody, educate them, 
add value to them, figure out what their fears are, what their desires are, and present to them. And then go out there, find a great opportunity. And all you have to do is turn around and say, hey, mm -hmm. who do you know that would like something like this? That'd be interested yeah. in, you know, yeah. coming in on a project. Yeah. You mentioned the, if you have a good deal, the money will come. I mean, that, that's kind of a playoff of the field of dreams. But I think what the field of dreams thing is absolutely accurate. If you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. And building it isn't just having a good deal. Building it is building the relationships. Exactly. If you build the relationships, the money will come. You know, it's not mm -hmm. just about having a good deal. Um, you also have to have a lot of people in your network um, who know who you are, know what you have to offer. And, you know, if you build that up, the money will come. That's right. I tell people I don't raise money when I have a deal. I raise money in between deals. Yeah. Right. Because that's when you're that's that's the money raising part of it. You know, I remember when I got started in multifamily and I'm watching people raise millions of dollars left and right, <laughs> left, and right. And I keep going up to them going, dude, what's that? What what do you what's the one word or one sentence you tell people that makes them go into their pockets and pull out their checkbooks and sign? I go, what is it? What is it? And I, mm -hmm. I kept looking for that that secret sauce. Right. You always. See yeah. The, script, people. the perfect script. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. What is that? what are you saying to people right and 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 i realized for after many many years of of looking for that secret sauce i you know i i came to the same realization that that you did and that many other people do that yeah. you got to talk to a lot of people you got to educate mm -hmm. people you got to share with them and and it's and it's a mindset because you, you 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 said it very briefly and i'm not sure if people heard it but you said it i now realize that I have an opportunity that people don't know they want. Yeah. And when you talk to someone in that sense, you're not begging them for anything. You're going, dude, you got to be stupid not to get involved in this, right? You're not saying mm -hmm. that, but that's kind of, you know, you that's how you're presenting going. This is something you didn't even know you wanted because it's so great. You here, look, right? Yeah. But that whole confidence, that whole presentation is completely different than going, hey, um, I, I got a real estate deal. You interested? Yeah. <laughs> it's $50,000 minimum investment. Right. You know, and you're, and you're, and you're cringing the whole time. What worrying you're going to offend the person. Yeah. Right. That was me anyway. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I run a capital raising course right now. And, and one of the first things in, in, in the very first module, I, I put it very bluntly. There is no magic script. All right. There is no, you know, it, it's not a, you know, learn how to do a task or a function or, or learn a small skill and then raise millions. It's, it's a lot more involved in that. And I think you know, if you boil it down to one thing, you've already said it, it's, it's the relationships. You build relationships mm -hmm. with people and eventually, you know, the money's going to come. Right. But you know, there's also, there, there's, there's, and I, and I just thought of it now because I've always been talking about, you know, building the relationships, right. But you had said it several times as well uh, early in the show but it, yes, it's the relationships, but it's also the follow-up, mm -hmm. right? The follow-through, the follow-up, right? We go, to, we go to events, we go places, we meet people, we grab a card, we put it in our bag, we get home, we throw it on the desk, and, it, you know, and then people say, well, you know, I've got a shoebox full of 10,000 contacts. Yeah, but mm -hmm. they don't know you. You, you don't yeah. have a relationship with them. You met them once. They probably don't remember you because they were, you know, three bourbons into it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or you were the 87th business card they collected that day. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 
I was at yeah. best ever conference last week, which I, I think mm-hmm. is the best ever conference I've been to. But, uh, you know, um, in the in the aftermath, I saw a lot of you know people posting on LinkedIn about the conference and your net. And I made a, a couple of posts exactly about that. You know, it's it, it's not about the people you met there. It's the people that you follow up with. Mm-hmm. You know, meeting is the first step. You know, it, it's it's the follow up and it's the the relationship that you build after you meet somebody at the conference, that's, that's where the magic happens, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I paid a lot of money for that conference between, you know, hotel and airfare and and, and the ticket itself. You know, if I, if I find one person that, that invests with us, you know, that, that money's going to come back to us, number one, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just meeting somebody at a conference and then six months, you know, three months later, calling them up and say, Hey, you remember me? We met at a conference. Here's the selfie we took together. Do you want to invest? You know, it's there, there's there's a lot of intermediate steps. There there's the follow up. There there's the extra phone calls that you're getting on, um, the emails that you send. It's it, it's all part of that that relationship that you have to build with somebody. You know, before they're going to reach into their back pockets and invest. Absolutely. You want to share a little bit maybe about what your system is for the follow up. You know, um, my, my conference system follow-up isn't as robust as my, you know, just get people on the phone follow-up. Um, you know, it, it's, it is very similar. I mean, I, I do keep track of now. I mean, so ba- basically what I do is when I talk to somebody, if, if it's somebody I want to follow up with, you know, I'll ask for a card or some sort of contact information. All right. I get a lot more cards than people that I really want to follow up with. Mm-hmm. And so my follow-up system at a conference is I will take a picture of the business cards that I want to follow up with. All right. And if, if people are using the the QR code business cards or the, the you know, Q, uh, the, the NFC technology type right. stuff, Bluetooth mm-hmm. on your phone, you know, I'll take a screenshot of it. And so when I, when I get back, you know, at Monday morning after the conference is all over and I get back, you know, I'm not sifting through a hundred business cards trying to remember, you know, details about a person. I go to my camera roll and I'm looking for the cards that I take pictures of. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing something very similar <clears throat> to what I do with the regular investors is I write up an email that can be adapted to all the different people. Hey, great meeting you at best ever conference. Mm-hmm. All right. That's going to mm-hmm. go in every single one of mine. Look for the common things that I'm going to say to right. every single person on there. And I just write up a quick draft email. I do a lot of cut and pastes. Um, and then what I try to do is the first line of every email is going to be something personal, you know, right. Hey, I enjoyed, you know, meeting you at the mm-hmm. coffee, um, coffee <clears throat> shack or whatever. Or, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had a good time talking to you at lunch, you know, things like that. And, you know, something personal up front. And I mean, the rest of the stuff in the email that was canned or pre-written is stuff that I would have said anyway. So, you know, I don't think it's disingenuous at all, but I, I try to have a little personal touch to it, but it in some way systematize. And mm-hmm. I, I really think it's that personal touch that does a whole lot. So that's that's one thing that I will absolutely take time on is adding that personal touch because that's part of the relationship. You know, if sure. everybody, I, I think everybody in the world at this point knows when they get a canned email, you know, and so I don't want to be the one that sends a canned email to you know, all 972 participants, you know, that you downloaded their contact information from the WOVA app, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's not how you build right. relationships. Right. 
Yeah, no, so. absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh that's, that's, that's what I do as well. I have um, uh, an app camp card. So I, I'm like that mm. as well. And, and, and what I used to do is I used to go in business cards, people that I wanted to talk to, I would, you know, obviously write notes on the card. Yep. And then I put, you know, in this pocket, people I want to talk to in this pocket, people I'll just put <laughs> into my, <laughs> into my active campaign and just cycle. Them yep. through. <laughs> yeah. I, I have done the same thing wearing jackets before. Um, but what I found is I will inadvertently mess up my left pocket, right pocket system. And so mm-hmm. that, that's where I started thinking, how can I, how can I better do this in snapping photos? But mm-hmm. um, the left pocket, right pocket was, was also something I did for a long time. Yeah. 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 Very, now, very now, subtle. Now I, and I bend the card, I bend the corner of the card so that, you know, if mm-hmm. I do mix up, you know, pockets or packages, mm-hmm. or if it's got a bent corner, that's mm. that's something I, you know definitely right so yeah yeah, yeah. just you, you go to these you, we go to so many events and so many things you know everybody has their own little way of marking of, mm-hmm. of identifying the cards um so we got a few minutes left so let's talk mm-hmm. quickly what what are you seeing in the market today what's going on multifamily yeah what's wow happening? so you know the it's not a secret. The Fed has flooded the the market with money, you know, and so there, there's a lot of people who are sitting on a lot of money right now. And there's a lot of money looking for investments. Um, so I, I think that's you know part of the reason, you know, a lot of this crypto has has exploded. Part of the reason that the real estate market has exploded. Um, so that's just one aspect of it. You know, rates have been rates are still historically low, even though they've crept up a little bit over the last couple of months. Um, I mean, a month and a half ago, I locked in a personal loan on my, on the house I'm in now at 2.75%, which is ridiculous. So, wow. so, you know, low rates have kept the market cooking, you know, high inflation has kept, have kept prices going up and the market being flooded with money, looking for places to invest, um, has also pushed prices up. So what we're seeing is, is very much a seller's market where, you know, there's multiple bidders on each almost each and every property that hits the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you really have to be a little more competitive when, when you're finding these deals and you, I mean, to, to be able to, to make the deal work um, you've got to be willing to offer a little bit more. Um, and I, I think there, there's two ways to do that. Number one is you, you have a conversation with your investment base and you just say, Hey, look, you know, if you want to invest in apartments, so do we, but Here's what it's going to take. You know, we're, we're not going to offer 20% IRRs anymore. You know, we're going to put a little more realistic number on our products. And, you know, maybe we're offering 12, but, you know, it's a conservatively underwritten 12 instead of a, you know, very shaky, you know, 20 mm-hmm. when, you, when you start mm-hmm. peeling back the onions. So, I mean, the, the prices are high. The competition is fierce. You know, there, there are still a couple, I mean, besides purchase price, you know, there's other ways you can make your offer stand out. You know, you can put in, you know, hard money down, you know, you can, you can do that. And, you know, the, the more money you have non-refundable the first day, you know, it, it, it's a risk, but, you know, it can help you to, to actually get the deal if you're willing to, you know, prove to the owner that, mm-hmm. you know, you're serious about closing. So, you know, where, where I see the market going though, I mean, seven and a half percent inflation in 21 they're forecasting five percent inflation in 22 and those aren't realized in rents until the following year you know i mean the the 2021 inflation if people sign a 12-month lease 
you know, you're not able to realize those those rent bumps until the following spring or early summer when most of the leases come due. So, you know, I, I think, you know, May, June timeframe, we're going to see a lot more, um, you know, leases come due and a lot higher numbers for the rents. Um, mm-hmm. And then if we do hit that 5% mark on inflation in 22, I think you're going to see the same thing in early 23, you know, and that's, that's going to affect rents. And it's also going to affect property values. Um, on the flip side, the, the Fed's threatened to raise interest rates, but I think historically what we've seen is they, they will raise them a little bit, but as soon as the market starts to cool off, they're going to bring those rates down slightly again. So I, I think any raise to the interest rates that happens you know, at, at that level is going to be dialed back in a year or two you know, or even less once the economy starts slowing down again. Um, so in, in the near term, you know, we might have a little bit of slowdown. In the, I mean, prices are still going to go up because of the inflation. Rents are still going to go up. But with interest rates going up, the cost of capital is higher. So you, that you, you have basically the opposite effect. You know, one, one thing's pushing prices down. One thing's going to be pushing prices up. Um, I'm not sure which one will win, but I, I don't think prices are going to go down in, in the near future. Um mm-hmm. And then when interest rates come back down in, you know, two to three years, like they, they very likely will, you know, things are going to heat back up again. So, you know, right now I would forecast, you know, a year or two of four, of slower growth and then, you know, back into, you know, what we've seen in the last you know five to eight years. But I don't think prices are going down. Yeah, I don't think anything's slowing down. What what are your thoughts about, uh, you know, another crash happening? You know, that's, I mean, everybody's talking yeah. about it. I'm seeing Everyone's, no loan docs. I'm seeing no doc mm. loans coming uh, coming out now. You yeah. Know? I mean, what we've seen from the Fed, from, from the federal government in general, you know, Congress um, over the last couple of, you know, economic slowdowns is they are going to be very quick to flood the market with money. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen that in the last couple of times. You know, I remember in 2008 thinking a $750 billion bailout bill was outrageous, you know, and, you know, those numbers aren't even, you know, Bach. I mean, Congress doesn't even think twice about hitting that number again. But, uh, you know, if if there if there is a slowdown, if there is a recession, um, number one, it's a great buying opportunity, you know, so um, I was rereading cash flow quadrant and. You know, Robert Kiyosaki mentioned that he and his wife, you know, purchased $100 million worth of real estate in 2009, you know, because of the crash. So mm-hmm. if if the market crashes, you know, there, there's going to be a couple of people that are, you know, there, there are going to be people who are affected. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if if you're in a solid cash flowing product and you can meet your financial obligations, you'll weather the storm, you know. And so mm-hmm. um, if you're as looking at as, a penny, debt, as long as your debt allows it. Right. As long as your debt allows it. Yeah. If you can meet your obligations. Yeah. So if you're, if you're on a bridge product and your, your loan comes due in the middle of that recession, you might have problems, you know? Um, (laughs) So that's, that's really, you know, what's on my mind right now, which is why I said, you know, for, for my, my personal investment philosophy, I don't mind putting 40% down on a property because if I put Mm -hmm. 40% down on the property, I can weather some storms, you know, and, you know, it may mean that, you know, I'm buying, you know, four plexes and eight plexes instead of 20 plexes with my own money. But, um, you know, it's it's going to give me a little bit of security. Uh, it's going to give me growth and it's going to give me cash flow and it's going to be resilient. So, 
you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, investors should be looking for maybe a little more conservative of um, an investment philosophy. So people who are looking a little more conservatively at the, at their tea leaves. Um, but that it's kind of a conundrum because, you know, you have to pay top dollar right now to get things. And if you're looking at things conservatively, it's, it's hard. Anyway, where, where, where's that balance point? Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if we had a crystal ball, we'd all have millions of dollars in our back pockets right now. Right. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, Brian, Hey, uh, how can people get a hold of you? So best way to, to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn, you know, uh, definitely, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn, say, Hey, tell me where you saw me. And, uh, um, I'm, I'm usually pretty quick to, to respond on LinkedIn. Um, and you know, if, if after, you know, responding on LinkedIn, it looks like our interests align, I'll, I'll be happy to set up a call. Um, we're also building a community, educational community. It's called the Tribe of Titans. Um, I am in, you know, answering questions in that community and building content, you know, several hours a day. So, you know, if, if you really want, you know, a, a big chunk of my time, you know, come join our Tribe of Titans community. Awesome, man. Where And where can they find that? TheTribeOfTitans.com info or the tribe of you know they're slightly different you know one, one's kind of forced on us by the the platform that we we use and one of them is our own page so okay there it is the tribe of titans dot info dot info perfect awesome yep. all right man well thank you so much for being here you're a wealth of knowledge thank you so much thank you for your service thank you for everything that you've done um keep kicking ass as we say and, uh, you know, hopefully in the future, uh, we can partner up on some deals and, uh, and do some bigger ones together. Sounds yeah. fun. Sounds yeah. really fun. That'd be awesome. And, uh, you know, next time I'm in Idaho, definitely come visit. Yeah. I look forward to it. <laughs> All right, Brian. Thank you so much. Travelers. Uh, you can you can listen to previous shows on all of these awesome podcast stations, The Traveling Investor. Uh, you can also go to YouTube, check out The Traveling Investor YouTube channel for a lot of great free content. Uh, and also you can go to Etsy.com and go to The Traveling Investor Swag Store for your Traveling Investor swag. We got some cool t-shirts and some promos, promo ideas and whatnot. Uh, also, April 8th through the 10th, we're hosting the Master Your Mind Weekend. It's going to be in Boca. We're going to blow your mind away. We're going to talk. Mm. We've got speakers. We've got people coming in. We're going to do some Reiki. We're going to do some yoga. We're going to do manifesting. All these creative workshops. You know, a lot of, you know, we talk a lot about real estate. We talk a lot about how to get all of these things, right? Real estate is all about numbers and properties. Oh, we don't really talk a lot about mindset and how to set those intentions and how to get your mind set for success. So April 8th through the 10th. Brian, thanks again for being here. Look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Travelers, we'll see you next week somewhere on Spaceship Earth. Be well. <laughs>